Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time for the host with no filter and the millennial who keeps him in check. Get ready for the stories that matter to you. It's Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro and Jamie D. Well, what's up, Las Vegas? Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Pushing the Limits time. Oh yeah, boy, do we have a lot to talk to. I don't even have a lot to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. There's so much to talk about in the world of news, in the world of politics, sports. What a crazy sports weekend. Apparently the NAACP is warning black people not to move to Florida. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with Ron DeSantis. Yes, it does. We'll get into it a little bit later on the show and uh the guy who, in my at least in my personal opinion, murdered this guy on the subway with the chokehold, he's now speaking out saying it had nothing to do with race. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later on the show as well. God, man, there's so much to get to today. Chris Wynn's going to be joining us in hour number two. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Amy Tarkanian, the uh, former Republican chair in the state of Nevada. Amy Tarkanian will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Plenty to get to with her. You know, walking around the Strip this weekend, seeing all these um, EDC outfits. Why don't people just show up naked? I mean, really, when it comes to the EDC, what's the point of clothes? See, here's my problem, right? Uh, Among many problems that I have. Here's one of them. So you walk around, and listen, some of these women, I'm not going to lie to you, they're fun to look at, okay? Well, to each their own. I'm sure there's some men out there that think some of the men are fun to look at, and that's okay, too. I'm just saying, walking around, looking at some of these women during EDC weekend is entertaining and fun, and some of them are extremely attractive. However, yes, there is a caveat to this. You know, and I'd be saying the same thing about a 300 or 400 pound man. Nobody wants to see your ass cheeks. Maybe I just speak for myself. But, you know, it really doesn't matter what your shape or size is. Uh, Everybody's pretty much half naked going to EDC. Some are nice to look at, some are not nice to look at. But again, I say to myself, why not just show up naked to EDC? What does it matter? It's just totally not my crowd. Uh, Hopefully everybody was safe and hopefully nobody lost their life. We know that, uh, you know, there's drugs and and, and people do some crazy stuff out there. But um, anyway, the EDC weekend is always a good weekend as far as the economy goes for Vegas. It brings a lot of people in here. Uh, Run down a few more things before we get to the big news and political stories of the day. Big come from behind win for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you know, down 2-1 with two minutes to go and, and score a goal, get the game to overtime. And I uh, was at the game and, and then the Knights scored the overtime winner. Uh, well, what did I just hear? Wait, do we have, uh, Dallas Stars head coach Pete DeBoer joining us right now? Coach, what happened in this game? How did you self-destruct up two goals to one with two minutes to go? Coach, what happened? Yeah, I don't know, you know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Mm, he doesn't know. Understandable. Well, coach, maybe you could join us a little bit later on, on the program, and maybe you can figure it out. But uh, Pete DeBoer's teams always seem to choke in the biggest of moments in the playoffs, and this was another example of the Dallas Stars choking and the Vegas Golden Knights coming through and winning a huge game. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. NBA, I'm really disappointed. Uh, that's an understatement with my Boston Celtics. I don't know how they're down 3-0 against Miami. Jimmy Butler, one of those reasons. But uh, they have a closeout game tomorrow, and the Lakers 
uh, are in desperation as well today, too. Down three games to zero. Can they win one game at home? We'll find out a little bit later on. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Congratulations to Brooks Kepka, who wins the PGA Championship. We'll talk more about that later. It's a great story just because... Even though I think he's an aloof jerk, he's an a-hole. But uh, what he had to overcome with his injuries and then coming back and winning a major is, is pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool story. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. I want to get to this to start. So it's the Marine veteran. By the way, I respect anybody's uh, service, but uh, I don't respect people that put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes and kill them. That's what this uh, person did. Uh, in this, uh, this black man in this deadly chokehold on this New York City subway. Um, his name is Daniel Penny. He's 24 years old and he told the local newspaper that he's deeply saddened by the loss of life and that it had nothing to do with race. Those are his first public comments since this all went down. He said, uh, this had nothing to do with race. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm a normal guy. Well, let me be very clear. Normal people don't put somebody in a chokehold on the subway for eight minutes and kill them. You watch right-wing radio, right-wing television. They all seem to be defending this guy. Marine veteran, he's a hero. I wish he was the type of person that was on a subway if I was there. You know, right-wing media, they're all defending this guy. And then I would say the rest of the media are being honest with what took place there. It doesn't matter what the police record is of this black guy. It doesn't matter that he was arrested 45 times. Just like with George Floyd, while George Floyd wasn't a good guy, in that moment, it didn't matter what his police record was. Same thing with this situation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that this Michael Jackson impersonator was not a good guy and was in trouble with the law and was mentally ill. All that matters is what happened in that moment. And here's what we know. And if you listen to right-wing racist radio or television, they will not talk about this, but I will. This man did not have any weapons on him. He didn't make any physical contact with anybody. And as far as I know, based on evidence, he didn't threaten anybody. Now, he was suicidal. He said he didn't care if he went to jail. He said he was hungry. That is not reason to put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes and kill somebody. That's why this guy broke the law. And whether you want to get into the weeds and tell me whether it was manslaughter or murder, that's up to you. But this was not self-defense. Now, if this guy put his hands on somebody, then this would be a completely different circumstance. If he had a weapon on him, if he took out a knife or a gun or even a bat, completely different circumstance, then we would be calling this guy a hero. In my opinion, this guy is a murderer. How many times in your life have you uh, been walking around or maybe you in close proximity with a homeless person or somebody that you would deem crazy? Maybe somebody that was talking to themselves, maybe somebody that was saying irrational things. We've all been in contact with one at one point or another in our life with people like that, right? It might be a little scary, but what do we do? Do we put that person in a chokehold? No. We walk away or in some cases try to ignore them best we can. Because that's what a normal guy would do. With all due respect, Daniel Penny is not a normal guy. He decided to put this guy in a chokehold for eight minutes. Why is that important? Now, if he put him in a chokehold for 20 seconds, I would say that's still assault. He didn't have a right to put his hands on this guy. But after this guy was motionless, he probably wasn't breathing. He was already dead. He kept him in a chokehold. That's murder. That's why he's going to go to jail, and that's why he's going to be convicted. So for all you right-wingers out there that are saying, this guy's a hero, again, I ask this question. What if the guy who did the chokehold was black, and what if the guy who died was white? Would Fox News would be defending him? 
And by the way, I don't have to be there to know what happened because there's evidence, there's video evidence, and there's witness testimony. Nowhere in the witness testimony did anybody say that this guy said that he was going to harm or kill somebody. Nowhere in the witness testimony or the video or police saying that this guy had any weapons on his person. Nowhere in the evidence did it say that this guy put his hands on somebody. You don't have to be there to know the facts. The fact of the matter is, is you can't be a vigilante and put matters into your own hands, literally, and put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes and kill somebody. That's what this guy did. How can people out there defend this? It's one thing if you want protection, but if you want protection, that doesn't mean somebody can kill somebody. That's not how protection works. At worst case scenario, what this guy was doing was public disorderly conduct. That's it. And if you ask any police officer, that does not require deadly force. The guy has to have a weapon on him or he has to put his hands on somebody or directly physically threat somebody. This guy did not do that. And then if you listen to right wing radio, they will also or or TV, they'll say, look at this guy's police record. Hey, dum-dums. It doesn't matter what this guy's police record was. All that matters is what happened in that moment. This guy could have had a clean police record or a thousand arrests. It doesn't matter. All that pertains is what happened in the moments leading up to this and then when it happened. That's all that matters. The same people that were defending Derek Chauvin are defending this guy, Daniel Penny. The same people. Oh, well, you know, George Floyd was, he put his, he put a gun to a woman's stomach. Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. All that matters is what happened in that moment. That's all that matters. That's all that matters in the moment. That's what we call the law. And no, the guy didn't threaten everybody in the area. That is also a lie, and you don't know what you're talking about. There were no direct threats to the people in that subway. This was a man who was mentally ill. This was a man who said he didn't care if he died. That doesn't mean he was going to harm somebody. It means he was obviously severely depressed and mentally ill. He said he was hungry. He said he didn't care if he went to jail. That doesn't mean he was going to harm somebody or kill somebody. And for somebody to make that assessment in that moment and use deadly force, because that's what Daniel Penny did, is wrong. Doesn't matter whether this guy was a saint or not. It doesn't matter how many times this guy was arrested. All that matters is the evidence that led up to that moment. And for all you people out there that are saying, you weren't there, you don't know what you're talking about. Guess what? I wasn't there when George Floyd was murdered, but I knew what I was talking about then. And I told you that that Derek Chauvin was going to be convicted of murder because we have something called evidence, witness testimony. And I will repeat myself again so that some of you people that are a little slower can understand. Every single witness and police have said that this guy had no weapons on his person. He didn't make any physical contact with anybody. And no witness said that this guy said that he was directly going to harm or kill somebody. That is the evidence. And I'm so sorry if you don't comprehend that. Just because somebody is saying some crazy things and he's mentally ill doesn't give somebody the right to be a vigilante and put your arm around somebody's neck for eight minutes. That's why he was charged with a crime. You can't do that. And you also can't look me in the eye and tell me that you've never been in a situation like that yourself where maybe you've been on a subway 
or a public bus, or maybe you were at a concert, or maybe you were on the streets, and somebody who seemed a little mentally deranged was saying some crazy things. Did you put your arms around them for eight minutes and choke them to death? Did you do that? I would imagine the answer is probably no. And the reason why the answer is no, because you're not a murderer and you're not a vigilante, that's why. Because you're an intelligent or semi-intelligent person with logic that knows that just because somebody's a little crazy or you might see somebody as being a little scary doesn't give you the right to put matters in your own hands and put your arms around somebody's neck for eight minutes and kill them because that's exactly what Daniel Penny did. He killed that person. And I heard so many people saying that Derek Chauvin was going to be acquitted, that those four officers were going to be acquitted because they just looked at race and they listened to right-wing television and radio, the Tucker Carlson's of the world, the Sean Hannity's of the world, the Mark Levin's of the world, Clay Travis's of the world, and they'll paint this guy out to be some sort of hero. But let me tell you something. He is going to be convicted of a crime. I don't think it's murder. But I certainly think it rises to the standard of manslaughter. And the reason why they didn't uh, charge him with murder is the same reason why George Zimmerman walked away from the Trayvon Martin case, because they tried to get Zimmerman on murder and they should have tried to get him on manslaughter. This person is going to be convicted of a crime. You cannot take matters into your own hands. You cannot be a vigilante. And just because somebody might be mentally ill and somebody might be saying some crazy things doesn't give you the right to tackle somebody. And again, what really is going to get this guy is this. He was in a chokehold for not eight seconds, not a minute, for eight minutes. He put this guy in a chokehold. There were minutes there where witnesses said that the guy was motionless. He wasn't breathing. And that this Marine kept his arm around his neck after he was already dead. Remind you of somebody by the name of George Floyd who was with his hands behind his back, handcuffed, motionless, dead, not breathing, and Derek Chauvin still put his leg and knee on Derek Chauvin's neck. That's what this reminds me of. And no, you cannot protect people because you think you're protecting people by killing somebody when that person does not have a direct threat to the people in the subway. He didn't have any weapons on him. He didn't make physical contact with anybody. And by the way, he also had no direct threats of any of the people in the subway. He said he was suicidal, meaning he didn't care if he died. He said he didn't care if he went to jail. He said he was hungry. That is not good enough reason to put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes. And if you think it is, then you don't understand the law. You don't understand the law. And just because somebody says he doesn't care if he goes to prison for the rest of his life is not a direct reason to kill somebody and to use deadly force. I'm sorry, you don't understand the law. Just because somebody says, I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in prison, that doesn't mean you can take out a gun and shoot somebody. What makes you think you can take your arms and choke somebody for eight minutes? It's the same thing. By your standard, which is absolutely ridiculous, what you are saying, and I'm going off of some of the statements on social media right now, what you are saying is, Anybody in public, if they say, I don't care if I go to prison for the rest of my life, you can take out a gun and shoot somebody. What's the answer to that? You can defend yourself when you are in serious bodily harm. When you are in serious fear of your life, you can defend yourself. You are not defending yourself just because somebody is saying some crazy things and says, 
they're suicidal because when you say you don't care if you die or you don't care, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. That means you're suicidal. That doesn't mean that is a direct threat on other people's lives. He had no weapons on him, no weapons on his person, and he didn't put his hands on anybody. You cannot just take out a gun and shoot somebody because of that. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the use of deadly force. And go ahead and ask yourself that question. And again, for the bozos out there that are saying, what about his criminal history? What, what, what about the fact that he was arrested 45 times? That has nothing to do with the case. It has nothing to do. All that matters is what happens the moments before and the moments of the chokehold. It doesn't matter how many times this guy was arrested. He could have been arrested a thousand times. It's completely irrelevant to the case. All that matters is what happened in the moments before and what happened in the case. His prior criminal record has absolutely nothing to do with it. And you don't have to be there to know what you're talking about if you've actually studied this case and you've looked at the evidence and you've listened to the press conferences and you've listened to the witness testimony. You don't have to be there to know. Just like I wasn't there on 9-11, but I kind of know what happened based on video and witnesses. I kind of know what happened. I wasn't there when George Floyd was murdered, but I kind of know what happened based on witness testimony and video. I kind of know what happened. So you don't have to be there to know what took place. And I am basing it on all the evidence, the witness testimony. He had no weapons on him. That's a fact. He never made physical contact with anybody. That's a fact. He never made a direct threat to anybody in the subway. That's a fact. Just because you say you don't care if you're going to die, and just because you say I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in prison, does not give somebody a right to use deadly force on him. This was the use of deadly force. And again, I asked the same question. The question that I've asked over and over and over again, what if the person who died was white and what if the person who did the chokehold was black? Would you still be defending this Marine? Would you still be calling him a hero? I think it's a very fair question to ask. And I'll open up the phone lines right now. If you'd like to debate me on this, I will happily do so. The number to call is 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702 702- Two two one seven two eight three. Guess what? If you disagree with me, then don't be a coward and show some guts. And I'm ready to have a debate with you right now, live on the air. That number again, if you want to be a part of the conversation, is seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three. And again, that number seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three. This guy, and the reason why we're talking about it again today is because Daniel Penny, the twenty four year old who did the choke called, is now making his first public statements. The first public statements that he's made since this all took place. He said, I'm not a white supremacist. This had nothing to do with race. And he said that he was deeply saddened by the loss of life. And this is the part of it that I find very interesting. He says, I'm a normal guy. Let me be very, very clear. His behavior was not normal. This was not normal behavior. To put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes is not normal. 702. 221-7283 is the number to call. All right, let's go to the phone lines, and let's start off with Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Hi, dude. You want to get on here and spread all kind of misinformation? I'm going to set you straight. Okay. First of all, he was not, first of all, he was not motionless when he came out of that chokehold. He was physically moving around. Granted, he may have been out of it, but he was moving around, number one. Did he get number up? two, hold the on, people hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go one at a time. Oh, hold on. No, 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 no. Pot him down, pot him down. No, this is my show, not yours. I'm happy to keep you on. We're going to do one thing at a time, and I will happily let you continue. You're not going to list five different things. We're going to go one at a time. 
I watched the video just like you did. In parts of that video, he was completely... Are you going to stop talking and are you going to listen? I'm keeping you on the show. Listen. He was not moving. Are you going to shut up? I'm keeping you on the line, but I'm cut, but I'm going to go one by one with you. That's how we do a discussion. Okay. Are you going to stop? Are you going to stop talking? Are you going to stop talking? And can we have a conversation? Put him down again. He says, I'm spreading misinformation. By the way, this is probably the same guy that thinks Donald Trump won the 2020 election. I didn't hang up on you, sir, but you're going to listen to me now. And we're going to go one by one. So I'm going to ask you a question now so that we can hopefully continue the conversation because I'm happy to keep you on. Are you willing to have a conversation, sir? Yes or no? Are you willing to have a conversation, sir? Yes or no? I'm willing to set you straight. Okay, on no, 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 no. See, in your opinion, you're willing to set me straight. I'm going to give you one more chance. You talk, then I talk. You make a statement, then I make a statement. So I'm going to ask you one more time where I'm going to move on. Are you willing to have a conversation, yes or no? Everybody on that subway that was involved in that Are situation. Are you willing to have a conversation? Yes or no? Pot him down again. Pot him down again. So you see, sir, you don't understand what the law says. You're just going by your own ignorant beliefs. But you don't understand what the law says. So are you telling me if somebody says they're hungry, this guy's just going to keep talking because he's just a moron. Um, because he hasn't stopped talking. He doesn't know how to listen. Uh, are you willing to listen, sir? Are you still talking, sir? Okay, pot him down again. He also doesn't understand that on a radio show we can pod people down while he continues to talk. I, I Look at that. He's still talking. He, st- he, still doesn't, he still doesn't know how to listen. I'm shocked that this guy thinks that I'm putting out misinformation when he doesn't know how to be quiet. You are for five. Will you shut up? Just shut up. Pot him down again. How many times I can give this guy an opportunity to have a conversation, but he won't stop talking. First of all, the guy is dead, sir. He's dead. That's number one. Number two, you you cannot put somebody in a chokehold and kill somebody without. <laughs> He's still talking, by the way. <laughs> He's still talking. This guy. Hey, how'd you like to be married to this guy? Go ahead, pot him up. Let's hear him ramble. I want to hear what he's rambling about now. What about the 41 arrest on his criminal record? What about the 60-year-old about? Okay, pot him down again. Pot him down again. Pot him down again. Okay, this dope does, again, right-wing talking points. Sir, the guy could have been arrested a thousand times. That's irrelevant to the case. Let's see if he's capable of listening. Sir, sir, are you willing to talk or are you still, are, are you willing to listen or are you still talking? God, pot him up again. Let's hear what this moron is talking about now. Sir, are you a member of the clan, sir? Sir, are you are you a grand wizard, sir? Oh, so now I'm a clansman. Well, you I, I'm be just trying. I'm tr- I, you I, 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 no, I no, no. You for defamation of character. Oh, I, I just asked you a question. I will sue you for slander. Oh, please and defamation do. Of character. Sir, I'm asking you, you a question. What you okay, say. sir, are you a grand wizard? Yes or no? Are you calling? Okay, I'm asking you what. a question, sir. I have your I have your phone number. Oh, he's got my phone number. Oh, you got my phone number. Oh, no. I am now going to sue you for slander. Good, please do, please do. Sir, sir, oh, oh, see, then he stopped talking. Yeah, please sue me, sir. By the way, it's asking you a question, sir. It's asking a question. It wasn't a statement, but please sue me. So the guy talked straight for eight minutes, but the only time he stopped talking is when I asked him if he was a grand wizard. That's the only time he stopped talking. So this is um, exactly what I'm talking about. I'm so glad that that guy, um, I'm so glad that that guy called in. I'm so glad. First of all, I don't even know what that guy's name is. Uh, I don't even remember his name. 
but um, wouldn't stop talking. And then he brought up this guy's criminal history, which is completely irrelevant. Boy, what a dope. You want to talk about, can we get some callers that actually have a brain? Maybe he'll sue me for saying that. Yes, sir, you don't have a brain. You're not very intelligent. You're not capable of having uh, any type of conversation, even if you disagree. You see, when you have a conversation with somebody and you disagree, it's called a conversation. You don't just keep talking for seven or eight minutes and don't let the other person talk. You made a statement, and I wanted to respond to your statement, and I would have been happy to keep you on the line. Number to call, and I hope we get some callers that are a little bit better than that one because that was a very special one, 702-221-7283. And again, that number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation. 702-221-7283. So he took the right-wing idiotic approach that many people do. Just the same thing with George Floyd. What about their criminal history? What about this person? What about, what about, what about? Somebody's criminal history is completely irrelevant to the actual incident itself. Completely irrelevant. You could be working at a soup kitchen and you could be a model citizen or you could be somebody with a thousand arrests. It's completely irrelevant. All that matters is what happened in those moments. The worst thing that this guy did was he said, I don't care if I die and I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail. That is not a reason to use deadly force on somebody. And if it was, what you're saying is anybody could have taken out a gun and shot that shot him dead. I'm talking about the Michael Jackson impersonator. So if somebody says, Uh, I don't care if I die. And if somebody says, I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail, does that mean anybody that has a gun at that moment is allowed to shoot that person and kill that person? Of course, the answer is no. So what's the difference here? The guy put him in a chokehold for eight minutes. What's the difference? You tell me what's the difference. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Let's go to Edward. Hi, Edward. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Brian? I, I mean, Jamie, I'm Brian. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry. Monday, Monday, Monday. How you doing? Good, How you man. doing, Jamie? Good, man. How what you do doing, you think about this? You know, man, I'm thinking like what you just said like about a minute ago, man. Someone's criminal record doesn't make them a, doesn't mean they're always going to be a criminal or things are going to be bad. You know what I mean? Like people make bad decisions in their lives, but we don't need to crucify them for all their mistakes either, you know? I agree. And uh, like the guy who just called in, the, the man who I asked if, yeah. he, was, if he was a Klansman, uh, he didn't. Yeah, have... that was a little extreme on his part, by yeah. the way. Uh, maybe, Not hey, cool. Do you think possibly? Cool. Do you think possibly maybe he is? I don't know. He got very angry when I asked him that question. He could have just said no. Like if somebody calls me and says, are you a Klansman? I'd say, no, I'm not. I'm not a racist at all. I'm yeah. not a Klansman. It was very strange. Uh, but hey, mm-hmm. you know, here's something else. If this guy that died was white and the guy that put him in yeah. a chokehold, oh. if the guy that put him in a chokehold was black, do you think that guy still would have called in defending him? Uh, the guy who did the Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's crazy. We live in this world. We live in this world, Brian, where we're in the media in particular, we're divided by race. Like, you know, if it's a white person doing this, it's like, oh, my God, the evil yeah. devil. If yeah. it's black, oh, my God. Like, there's a lot of fear out there in the media. You know, like, yeah. we need to be afraid. And it's just, it's getting old quick, you know? Like, I, I'm i not afraid of a race. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of much. And it's just, it feels like it gets to that point where, it's getting ridiculous. You know what I mean? We're, we're being more divided than equal. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And it's uh, we're at a point now where people just don't want to look at facts. They just want to look at the, yeah. someone's skin. And it, it's really sad. And that's ridiculous. I agree. Hey, my man, I, I'm up against a break. I got a guest coming up. But I really do appreciate you calling in, Edward. And I agree with you 100%, my friend. You have a great day, okay? Uh, have a great week. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. You know, the last person who called in, not, not Edward, but the, the last person who talked about the guy's criminal history, uh, doesn't understand the law, 
doesn't understand that somebody's criminal history is not relevant to what happens in that moment, but some people are not smart enough to understand. I can't help you. What can I say? I can't help you, sir. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Somebody who I do find intelligent. Uh, she's the former chair of the Republican Party in the state of Nevada, Amy Tarkanian. I, I'm, I'm curious. I might ask her about this. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got Chris Wynn in studio next hour. Big win for the Vegas Golden Knights. Lakers down 3-0 tonight. Gosh, we got a lot to talk about. But, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to uh, go over, uh, I guess, a lot of things happening in the world. Why are Ron DeSantis' numbers dropping by the minute? Uh is Donald Trump still the front runner in the Republican Party? Geez, I don't know. I said, why not invite my friend Amy Tarkanian on? She is the former chair of the uh, uh, Republican chair uh, for the state of Nevada. And Amy Tarkanian joins us right now on the show. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Thanks know, for having me. Of course. Always good to have you on, Amy. I appreciate it. Um, I guess before we get into the political stuff, I want—I just want to get your your take on this because this has been a big national story with this uh, subway chokehold situation. What do you make of this story? Well, I didn't get to hear your conversation prior, but um, I did hear you before the break that you were going to ask me about this, and it's—I I think there, there's multiple um, answers to this, and one obviously mental health is something that is vital um, and we are lacking in across the nation and also to the fact that he did have a rap sheet and I'm sure he had a rap sheet due to his mental health 
um, in decline and uh, possibly some other scenarios dealing with substance abuse. But he probably shouldn't have been released as well, you know, from jail on, on a number of those occasions and maybe just put into a mental health facility. And I know this is going to sound a little crazy because I know that he was offered treatment, but then he didn't stick it out and he left. Mm-hmm. Where was this family at that time? That's what I question. So they all of a sudden showed up now and I know he's a grown adult or he was a grown adult and it's hard to control even just children, you know, hundred percent of the time, but how come they didn't force him and turn him in just like how you would have like, what is it called? Like a 50, 50 hold, or you're not allowed to leave, you know, for three days, if you're threatening to commit suicide, you know, you're not allowed to leave. You cannot leave. So where was his family at that point when they knew he was in such dire straits? Because I got to tell you, I have been on a number of subway systems. I have been in Ubers, taxis, you know, all kinds of transportation. And it does get a little intense and it can be a little overwhelming and scary if you have people coming on and off that are clearly not well. And so, you know, we do now hear from some of those passengers who thanked the Marine. Um, And I believe that the two other individuals saying thank you because this guy was clearly not okay. And they did fear for their lives. Um, You know, it's unfortunate that, they were both put in this situation that the Marine was put in that situation that he felt he had to, you know, protect the rest of those who were on that subway system. And then also the fact that that um, individual was so unwell that he was left to roam around. I guess there's two different stories to this, right? The one that you're talking about, which is, well, why didn't the family get him help? Uh, Mm -hmm. Could they have done more? And and I agree with you. They probably could have done a lot more. And and that's a separate entity, I think. And the reason why I say Mm -hmm. that is, you know, what in that moment was it justified, right? And I guess if somebody feels like their life is threatened, Mm -hmm. uh, is that enough for somebody to kill somebody? And I guess, Amy, that maybe this is where we might disagree a little bit. Just because somebody is saying crazy things, I don't think that gives somebody a right based on the evidence to put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes. If he had a weapon, yeah. which, which he didn't, then I'd call this guy a hero. If he physically was assaulting somebody or even made contact with somebody, guy's a hero, right? But he didn't put his hands on anybody. He didn't have any weapons on him. He said he didn't care if he went to jail or died. He said he was hungry. Right. Amy, I know you've probably been in contact or close to people, some crazy people that might have said similar things, but you didn't mm-hmm. put your hands on somebody and take matters into your own hands and be a vigilante. I certainly wouldn't. And I guess that's where I say it's a very dangerous, slippery slope uh, for people to just sure. put somebody now, in a chokehold. Okay, correct. I'm going to agree with you on that part. You know, the chokehold situation, especially for eight Mm -hmm. minutes, that's, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But how long was this car ride? You know, I I don't know how long it was. Could he have let up somewhat? Probably. But, you know, I, I think he probably jumped into the mentality of I'm the protector at this point. And adrenaline was was running, and that's probably just what happened. Unfortunately, I don't think he necessarily intended. I don't think he intended to to kill him. I really don't. Um, but I think that he has the mindset of obviously he's a protector, a marine, and he's been trained to protect and serve, and that's 
his mentality. And I think the adrenaline probably just got the best of him and other people around him were feeling scared and they were probably thanking him. And it just happened way too fast. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if you put him in a chokehold for 20 seconds, maybe we'd be talking about something a little different. It's, it's bizarre yeah. that he had him in that chokehold for eight minutes. Uh, I think that's why he was charged. I agree with you. I don't think he was intentionally trying to kill him, but hence maybe an involuntary manslaughter charge or something along those lines. I just think it's very dangerous uh, to say to people in society, hey, if you feel threatened, regardless of whether what that person's intent was, if you feel threatened, you can put somebody in a chokehold for eight minutes. I just think that's very dangerous. And I, and I think that he needs to be convicted of something. That's just my personal. Yeah, opinion. an eight minute long chokehold is is a bit much for right, sure. I right. agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, but once again, have been, you know, have been in, in a number of subway systems, metros myself. Mm -hmm. When you have somebody literally within, you know, less than a foot of you. Right. And there's something not right. You know, things can happen in, in a split second. So I mm -hmm. think that's probably why he jumped in and did what he did along with those other two who um, assisted him. Do you think he should have been charged with a crime, which he was? Do, are you okay with that? And do you think he should be convicted of a crime? <sighs> that's, a, that's a tough one because I think, once again, he jumped into protector mode. Uh, should should he have, you know, held him for eight minutes in that chokehold? You know, it seems very excessive. But mm -hmm. once again, how long was was the car ride. I, I don't know. You know, I would have to, I would have to actually be mm. on the jury and hear more details in order to give that kind of answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. That's for sure. Uh, I wanted to discuss this story with you because I, I was reading it this morning. I want to get your thoughts on this. It involves the NAACP and it involves mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis. The NAACP over the weekend has issued officially, I'm not making this up, a travel advisory for Florida over Ron DeSantis's aggressive attempts to erase black history and to restrict diversity, equ uh, equity, and inclusion programs in the state schools. Uh, that's what the organization said in a statement. Uh, what, what do you make of this, Amy? I think it's unfortunate because the NAACP is a very honorable organization that has fought very hard um, for a long time for civil rights. And this just seems to be more of a political stunt. Um, and I think it, it kind of diminishes what their role should be. Now, I also, I'm going to play devil's advocate again on this one. I don't think Governor Ron DeSantis realizes that some of this quote unquote woke um, fight that he has taken upon himself is actually doing maybe a little bit more damage than good. I think maybe in, in his bubble, he's getting praise, but overall, uh, as a nation, I, I'm not sure if he's actually tested the waters in some of this, mm -hmm. uh, scenarios because as long as history is correct, I don't care. I just want to make sure it's correct. That's being taught to my kids. Right. And so, you know, I, I would just like to know what does he consider woke? What does he consider not woke? Uh, and we can go from there, yeah. but saying that African Americans and black people and people of color shouldn't be traveling yeah. to the state of Florida. I think is a little much. I agree. I agree with you. I think it's a little bit outrageous. Uh, at least if they put out a statement that said, Hey, we're warning you, this is some of Ron DeSantis's, you know, policies. I wouldn't have had a problem with that, but to say you shouldn't be traveling to Florida, uh, I think it's a little bit outrageous and ridiculous because there are a lot of good people in the state of Florida as well. I don't like mm -hmm. the governor very much. What do you make of Ron DeSantis's poll numbers that seem to be plummeting by the day? You know, I, I mean, right now, uh, Donald Trump in just about every poll is destroying Ron DeSantis among Republicans. Yeah. What do you make of that? And why do you think his poll numbers continue to drop? 
Well, it's interesting because you see Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina announced officially that he was also going to be running today. So the vultures can smell the blood on the water. Uh, they, they can see that Ron isn't catching fire quite as quickly as I think the DeSantis camp had anticipated or had hoped. And uh, the fact that Donald Trump is so far ahead does have the rest of those who are no longer associated with the MAGA hardcore base uh, nervous. And it, it does seem that at this point, if polls are correct, and I don't ever trust polls, but it seems like there's not one poll that has Donald Trump down, right? which that's why I think is the big concern. So it doesn't matter if it's a historically left-leaning, right-leaning, center, whatever it may be, nonpartisan, because, uh, you know, you can skew polls uh, according to whatever you want it to read. Every single poll has him leading by more than 30%. And that is a landslide. Um, so... I'm not sure exactly what the entire problem is with Governor Ron DeSantis, but I've mentioned this before. I One, let's go ahead and we'll rehash the woke, um, you know, fight that he's taking on right now. The other thing is dealing with, it's mainly social issues. Yeah. Um, I think dealing with abortion, he did his heartbeat bill. I consider myself to be pro-life. But once again, if you're going to be running for something that involves an entire nation, you need to be aware of who you're representing. Right. And I think that six weeks really scared a lot of pro-choice pro choice people because mm-hmm. um, I've been pregnant, you know, four times. Mm-hmm. So I know you don't even go into an OBGYN until you're like anywhere, you know, 10 weeks, like somewhere around there, 10, 12 weeks. That 12 weeks is usually when you announce to people that you are pregnant. So at six weeks, that that seemed to be pretty extreme for a lot of people. Um, the other one is the Second Amendment. Once again, I'm pro-Second Amendment, but I'm also in favor of having, you know, some rules, some boundaries, some guidelines. And the fact that he can, you know, tell everyone that you can open carry without a permit, mm. um, that is a problem. And I, I actually spoke with our governor about that. And I asked him, I said, please tell me you're not going to follow him in that area. And he told me he wasn't. Mm. He said, absolutely not. And he's a former sheriff. So you think he would know a little something or two about the Second Amendment. That's and- why Lombardo won, Amy, because he didn't take those extreme positions, whether it's abortion yeah. or or gun control he didn't take those extreme right opinions, and I believe that's why he he defeated Sisolak. And I believe if he took Ron DeSantis's approach, I'm not sure he wins. I think Sisolak wins re-election if Lombardo was extreme far right. No, I agree with you on that. And you know, Governor Lombardo is also pro-life, but he also realizes that Nevada has certain laws, and you're going to follow the laws. It doesn't matter if you're a politician or not a politician. You know, Nevadans voted twice. Um, to make sure that abortion was allowed up to 24 weeks. I don't agree with that, but guess what? It's not up to me. I don't get to make those changes and neither does Governor Lombardo. So, you know, it is what it is. And I think that's, that's, I agree with you that yeah. those are areas that really helped him. Yeah, no question. Um, in his election. No question. Um, joined- and then the other oh. area yep. is, uh, the DeSantis campaign. I'm not sure why they're struggling in this, in this, but, 
they're having a tough time messaging against him not being likable mm. or relatable. Mm-hmm. And so if you go on social media, and I know Twitter's not, you know, the end all be all, it's not the entire world. But if you go on to Twitter, uh, the Twitter sphere, um, you see all the attacks that are attacking his character, um, mocking his laughter, uh, pointing out how he isn't at ease when he's addressing a crowd, um, or even just one-on-one where they, you know, try to get him, you know, showing that he's struggling and having just a basic conversation. And now once they're done with that, now they've moved on to his wife, which I really think is, is not helpful because I think attacking his wife, Casey, is actually going to help Governor DeSantis because yeah. Casey is beautiful. She's overcome breast cancer. Um, supposedly, she's the one who's like really, really likable and genuine um, out of the two. So I think by attacking his wife, that's going to end up. I agree. Governor so I agree with you. Uh, I've never talked about Ron DeSantis's wife before. Um and I agree with you, but I feel the same way about pe- Republicans talking about the Biden family, talking about Jill Biden. Jill Biden is not a real doctor or even talking no. about Hunter Biden. It's like Hunter Biden's never been a politician. And I wanted to ask you about this because these Republicans that are investigating the Biden family, they haven't shown mm-hmm. any evidence that Joe Biden committed a crime. They can't answer those direct questions. They don't have any specifics, yet they continue to talk about it. And I'm thinking to myself, you've had years now either put up the evidence. And by the way, I wasn't the only one to say this. People like Geraldo Rivera have said it. Others on Fox News, uh, Ducey, uh, who does the morning mm-hmm. show on Fox News, said this. Put up or shut up. Either you have the evidence or you don't. And if you don't have the evidence, stop talking about it. But yet they keep talking about Hunter Biden and his laptop and the Biden crime family. What do you make of this? Sure. And if that's to do a character assassination, because it's obvious that Hunter has some major, major problems mm-hmm. to overcome. Sure. And, and, but that's not the president. Now, if, if they do want to, uh, you know, find some fault in Hunter dealing with a, a, an unregistered gun, obviously that's a major problem. Sure, sure. There are areas where Hunter really does need to have a come to Jesus moment and, um, be found guilty. But once again, that's not President Biden. Now, if they could divulge these documents that they keep claiming that they have of the connection of, say, you know, 10% for the big guy and the other family members that we keep hearing about where money was dispersed to, like through LLCs, please, why don't you show it? Mm-hmm. Because I agree with you. If, if there's a major connection going on, a, a money laundering scheme, then by all means, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, we need to take care of it. But if you're just going to keep telling me that it exists, I'm not going to believe you. Right, exactly. And I say the same. If, if there's actual real evidence that I want people held to account, I would say that about anybody. I just haven't seen anybody. Amy, I got to ask you this. What is the obsession with so many, not all, but so many people on the far right when it comes to transgenders? Listen, I don't believe that if you're born a man, transitioned to a woman, you should be able to compete against women in sports. Yeah. Most Democrats agree with me on that, too. But I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, most people in society, yeah, there's always going to be a very small percentage of people that are crazy mm-hmm. that think that's okay. But we all agree, Leah Thomas should not be competing against other women. But why Heck, is... I have trans friends who would never say it publicly, right. but they agree. Of course, right? Most reasonable people would agree. But mm-hmm. why do Republicans keep bringing up, they, they make it sound like transgenders are going to end the world and they're the biggest threat on society. I just feel like some Republicans are obsessed with this issue. What do you say? 
I think when you have the fear of the unknown for any topic, uh, that's, that's where you start to uh, have, you know, questions like this come up, right? It, I mean, the fear of the unknown, really, that's what it is. And uh, I remember when I was first invited to a very small group of uh, community leaders in Clark County, um, when some of these topics were first popping up, and this was, this was quite some time ago. And, uh, and we were discussing, you know, transgender children being able to use the restroom of their choosing. Mm -hmm. And you had, you know, uh, some of the families come in who had children that were starting the transition or were about to start the transition. And you could tell in a couple of the kids that, um, that they were definitely, you know, they weren't appearing as the gender that they were born with or assigned with. But then there were others that if you were to tell me that they were trans, I would say, I'm sorry, excuse me, because you just fooled my eyes. So it, it's kind of a weird situation where if my child was trans and clearly did not look like the gender they were assigned with, I would be concerned about them going into the restroom of the gender they were assigned with. Um, so I am all in favor of, you know, either having gender neutral or family restroom, whatever you want to call it. You know, you can have that separate restroom. If the school is so old and you don't have enough money to put into it, then, you know, that that's another scenario we're going right. to have to discuss. And I know right. that's a main problem. And that's where they go to use, say, the mm -hmm. nurse's bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Um, or if you're building new schools, which we we are and we do, um, you know, our oldest daughter lives in Barcelona, Spain. Mm -hmm. Every single bathroom, and I mean every single one in, in a public atmosphere. And I'm sure it also has to do with the limited uh, space. But every single one. You walk in, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what gender you are, what sex you're affiliated with, doesn't matter how you're dressed. You all walk into the same washroom area and then you choose whatever side you want to, to use the facility. Then you all end up right back in the same washroom area right. and then you leave. No questions asked. Nobody looks at you funny. I think really that's what we should be doing. I could not agree with you more. And I just feel like, you know, some of the people out there that say, oh, they're, they're pedophiles. They're going to go into the restroom and they're going to molest a child. I say to myself, if somebody <laughs> is that disgusting and evil and crazy, do you think they care whether it says men's room or women's room? I mean, it, exactly. just, it makes absolutely well, and, no and sense. That's, and that's what I've said. I've said, you know what? Do you know how many straight girls will sit there and go into the girls' bathroom and will beat the living tar out of each other or do something terrible mm -hmm. to each other. Or a straight man or boy will go into the boys' restroom and they'll sit there and beat the living tar out of each other or they'll sit there and smoke cigarettes together. I mean, it. bad people are just bad people. Mm -hmm. Just because you're transgender or straight doesn't mean that you're going to be a bad person. Right. Just bad people exist, period. Agree 100%. I want to, in closing, I wanted to ask you this, Amy, you know, I vote for Republicans that have solutions. I did. I voted for a few Republicans in 2022. Many Republicans today, they don't have solutions. At least I don't see it when it comes to gun control. They don't have Obamacare replacement when it comes to health care. They want to talk about transgenders. They want to talk about kindergarten teachers, guns. They want to talk about critical race theory. They want to talk about how, you know, Black Lives Matter is ending the world. But I don't hear a lot of 
or any solutions to the real problems. They want to complain about inflation, but yet they don't have solutions to helping people, helping middle class families. Now, some Republicans do, and those are the Republicans Mm -hmm. that I vote for. I just feel like the overwhelming majority of Republicans today don't have a lot of solutions. They want to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop, and you could disagree with a lot of the Democrats with some of the solutions they propose, but at least they're proposing solutions. That's the political climate that I feel today. Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, uh, well, I, I would agree to some extent. I, I do think that there are some Republicans out there who do offer their their options for how to fix things or their views on the future. Once again, you may agree, you may not agree, uh, say with, you know, uh, Senator Tim Scott. But his speech this morning that I heard was very upbeat, very positive. And the only person he focused on was one, the nation, two, wanting to make it better and why he should replace President Biden. Mm-hmm. That I loved. He didn't sit there and take pot shots at the other candidates. Um, now, he's not polling very well, unfortunately, at right, this point. Right. But he's got $22 million to make that difference. Now, I think that the rest of the Republicans that you're referring to, unfortunately, they've tapped into... Um, you know, a, a former Donald Trump presidency where it's now fueled with anger and everything is a setup. So they feel like they are all being shortchanged at every corner. And, and that's not really the way to look towards the future either. I agree. I agree. Uh, these are some strange times we're living in. That's for sure, Amy. Uh, anyway, always a pleasure having you on. Please say hello to your uh, husband for me, Danny, the, the UNLV legend. And uh, of course, <laughs> the rest of the Tarkanian family. And uh, UNLV football and basketball right around the corner. It's amazing. Uh, by the way, who do you guys root for in the NBA? I've always wanted to ask you guys that. Are you a Laker family? Like what? Who do you guys root for? You know, what's so funny is Danny actually doesn't watch the NBA. I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't watch it. So I, he doesn't have a team. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Well, I know he's not a Duke fan. If there's anybody I know no. wouldn't be a Duke fan, it would be it would be your husband. But uh Amy, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, Really appreciate it and look forward to having you on again soon. You have a good week, Amy. Okay, thank you so much. You as well. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Uh, I really like Amy a lot. By the way, that is somebody, if she ran for office, I would vote for her because she is a reasonable person. She is a smart person and she is a nice person. You know, God forbid if she doesn't support every Republican, everybody goes after her. I'm not. I don't agree with her on everything, but she is a nice person and she would have my vote. Uh, and I've told her that. And, and that's the truth. And for people out there that don't think I voted for Republicans, I could give you my voting record right now. First of all, I didn't vote for Barack Obama. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, in the 2022 midterms, I voted for Tim Treffinger, Republican. I voted for Stavros Anthony, Republican. Uh, I would vote for Mitt Romney in a heartbeat if he ran against Joe Biden right now. Apps, I'd be running to the polls. I'd be, I'd be voting for Mitt Romney. And there are other Republicans out there that I would vote for. Even though I disagree maybe with some of their policies, if I think somebody is a decent human being, I am going to vote for them. Um, you know, and no, I didn't vote for Donald Trump just because I say I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Are people really that ignorant? When I say I didn't vote for Hillary, does that mean I voted for Trump? I don't vote for the lesser of two evils. That's not the way I vote. I don't do that. I don't play that game. If I don't like either candidate, guess what? I know this might be hard for some people to understand. I don't vote for either candidate if I don't like them. I have been a registered independent my entire life. I don't side with a lot of Republicans today on a lot of issues. But again, I didn't vote for Obama and I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't think Hillary was a very good candidate. And that's why she lost, by the way. I don't think Joe Biden is a very good candidate. He still beat Donald Trump. I don't want Joe Biden to run again. 
I've been very clear on that. And these people on social media that say, oh, you're, you're bought for, you're paid propaganda. Let me be very clear. I've been on the radio for 20 years. I've never said anything on the air that I've been forced to say. These are my own personal opinions and these are my own beliefs. And if you don't like it, you can take a hike. And you could take a flying you-know-what because I don't care. I'm always going to say what's on my mind. I'm always going to be factually based and base my opinions on facts. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. But nobody pays me to say anything. These are Brian Shapiro's opinions. And I stand by everything I've ever said on the radio in 20 years. And I've never lied, not once. I've always been honest and I've always told people how I feel. And I know that might be very difficult for some of you to understand. Those of you that are looking for facts that are big Tucker Carlson fans, or maybe you watch Newsmax or OAN, or maybe you're the type of person that believes Donald Trump won in a landslide. You can't spell the word fact. I call you flat earthers or what you are. You're flat earthers. You're no better than Kyrie Irving. If you want to talk about real propaganda, there are opinions and then you can have your opinions, but you are not entitled to your own facts. You know, I was I was reading this story before we go to break because I, I mentioned uh, Amy about transgenders and the fact how so many people on the right are obsessed with transgenders. There's a transgender girl who ended up missing her own high school graduation after the school recently told her to wear a suit like the guys getting their diplomas and a judge refused to force the school to change their position. According to the ACLU of Mississippi, the 17-year-old was ordered by Harrison Central High School earlier this month to follow the boys' dress code for Saturday's graduation ceremony. It included wearing pants, socks, and shoes like a boy. For those unaware, Mississippi was the first state to ban transgender athletes from competing in women's sports. By the way, I don't disagree with that. Governor Tate Reeves signed another bill in February that stopped the use of hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and transitioning surgery for minors, referring to trans youth as a dangerous movement across America, uh, which I think is a very ignorant thing to say. Um, if somebody identifies as transgender, in this case a transgender woman, why don't you let them wear whatever they want to wear? What does it matter to you? What does it matter to you? I don't understand. Why not let them wear whatever they want to wear? Can somebody please help me understand that? Number to call 702-221-7281. Again, that number if you want to be a part of the conversation. The world-famous radio shopping show. Whoops. All right. There we go. Maybe it's, uh, let's blame it on a transgender. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Let's go to Cyrus. Cyrus is next. What's up, Cyrus? Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? You know, you really made my day uh, when you said you voted for Stavros because I, I voted for him, too. And I voted for the other guy. It's, it's because, And I didn't vote for every Republican ticket, by the way, in the last election. But then it makes me wonder, like, you know, why they won, because it's like they actually knew how to appeal to moderate. And you know what? Yeah. And, and you know what? People say, well, Brian, you're this liberal. You know, they use the term libtard. And I say I voted for somebody like Stavros Anthony. I don't agree with all of his policies, but he's a decent man. He's a smart guy. He's moderate. He, he can work with Democrats and he's a decent guy. You know, I feel the same thing about Tim Treffinger. 
I feel the same way about Mitt Romney, about Adam Kinzinger, even though I disagree with almost everything Liz Cheney stands for. I, I have respect for um, her, you know, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that's important to me. But here's to talk about, because there was a town hall with the state legislature, Commissioner Sickerbloom, yeah. right. uh, Trustee Cavazos, and I told a lot of my friends who are on the MAGA side to come. Not one of them showed up, and that disappointed me. And, you know, it's, just, it's one thing you can make good claims about election fraud, but when you're not participating well in the election process, canvassing and going to town halls, you have responsibility. If you guys would have shown in masses, and not in a loud, agitating way, but people could have get a sense of feel that the masses are not happy, and they didn't show up. They make excuses. Yeah. And I told Tick, listen, uh, how am I supposed to believe that these elections have so much fraud in them? I when agree. People are not coming yeah. in with frustration. They I have agree. every right to blame. And even if there was fraud, if they can yeah. work really, 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 they can fear. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. So let me ask you a question, Cyrus. Were you uh, were you listening to the mm-hmm. show a little bit earlier today? Yes, uh, with uh, Tarkanian and uh, the chokehold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you what do you make of somebody that comes on the show and when I ask them if they're a Klansman, they don't answer the question. What do you What do you make of that? I don't know. I would have just said, excuse me. Like, <laughs> why would you come up with something like that? I mean, the guy was just like, it's, it's sort of like he was driving like he didn't even know how to hit the brakes. And, this is, this, and it's like he ran three times a red light. But I just want to go back to the town hall. Like, you know, I just went there with a sign that put out no, if I because I disagreed with many of the things that the legislature was pushing. And not every one of them is going to be super nice to me. You know, this is one woman who wants to make Juneteenth a holiday. And I said, well, listen, I mean, should the people know about the black slavery in the Middle East? Because my parents' country had them, too. Oh, I you know, agree. And I, and I don't think it should be one-sided. I agree. You know? Unfortunately, and I appreciate the call, by the way. I got to go to break. Good to hear from you, Cyrus. Uh, thank you. Um, I agree with you 100%. Unfortunately, too many things in life are one-sided these days, and people don't know how to work on the other side. All right. Speaking of somebody who knows how to work with the other side. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, Chris Wynn is going to be joining us next. Man, do I have a lot to talk to with him. we got to talk about the Knights game yesterday, the Celtics debacle, the Lakers could uh, get shut out today 4-0. We'll talk a little bit about that. Man, we got a lot to get into in the sports world. Holy smokes. And Brooks Kepka, your PGA Championship winner. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care, located at Sahara and Jones. I was in and out of there in 20 minutes, man. They know how to take care of people. 6125 West Sahara Avenue. You don't need an appointment. They take most insurances. And if you don't have insurance, it's a $95 payment. How cool is that? Please give them a call. 702-248-0554. You can also visit them online at saharawesturgentcare.com. All right, joining us in studio as he does every Monday. Always good to have, uh, I call him the Sea Wind Special. Chris Wynn joining us in studio. Chris, 
Sea Win, you, what's you, wait up? Wait a minute, time out. You don't, re- you don't really call me the Sea Win special. You're the walking yeah. bad beat. That's what you are. You're the walking yeah. bad beat of sports betting. It's, uh, it, 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 my, you call me <laughs> who I am. It's, it's Chris Win. Yeah. Chris Win. Long, long time sports host in here in town. Sea Win in the house. And, uh, anyway, and not afraid right. to chop it up on all yeah. things. All things, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to the hot topics of the day. Absolutely. Politics and sports and beyond. Well, before, let's talk some sports. Before I get to, obviously, the huge stories, which is the VGK win last night. You and I were at the game. Yeah. We'll get to the Celtics and the Lakers and, and that the both series, those debacles. But before, let's talk a little golf for a couple minutes. Uh, Brooks Kepka is a guy who, at the top of his game, before he suffered these horrible injuries to his knee and he had multiple surgeries. And uh, he's even talked about how he, he considered uh, retiring. And then he goes to the Live Tour. And I said to myself, and this is what I thought. I said, this is probably the end of Brooks Kepka. We're probably not going to hear much about him again. He took his money. He took boatloads of cash, um, suffered from tons of, you know, horrible injuries. Didn't even know if he'd ever play again. And this guy not only came back, he was in the last group on Sunday at the Masters last month, came in second there, and now he wins the PGA Championship. And although Brooks Kepka is a polarizing figure, he's kind of aloof. He's kind of a jerk, but you have to hand it to him. This is a great, uh, come back from injury moment. One of the, one of the biggest in the history of golf. The guy had knee surgeries and, um, the way he played, you got, I just, you got to take your tip your hat to him. Brooks Kepka winning the PGA championship after everything he's been through, almost retiring and then going to live and then winning, winning, uh, the PGA. This is, this is a big deal. No question about it. And this is a, a classic case of someone that has a tremendous amount of talent. There's no denying mm-hmm. it, right? Brooks Kepka, one of the best golfers. In the world, multiple major champion, someone who is going to go down as, 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 uh, I mean, I, look, you're more a golf guy than I am, but he's going to go down as an all time great. Yep. And what it, what it does though with him winning the PGA championship, what does it do? It kind of ignites that whole discussion about the golfers on the live tour versus golfers on the PGA tour, right, mm-hmm. Brian? That's mm-hmm. kind of what it does, right? That's kind of, to me, that's, What's kind of come to the forefront here? I don't here. go that far. Oh, well, I, I will go that far. You know why? Because even do, during uh, this whole past three, four days covering Vegas Golden Knights games, right at T-Mobile Arena, a lot of people obviously work in the me- sports media. They they cover the PGA Championship, or they're they're very aware of what's going on with the PGA Championship, and that seemed to be the narrative and discussion everybody was having. They're like, oh, you know what? Brooks Kepka winning the PGA Championship kind of gives. Those people, when they say those people, those that made the choice to go play in the Live Tour as opposed to the PGA Tour, yeah. uh, a little more credibility, right? Because Brooks Kepka wins a major, and that's... that's. I, I understand what you're saying. You understand the point understand. I'm trying to make. Let me, so let me just push back a little bit. That's why I'm making that why, point. I understand. Let me push back a little bit and where I disagree. Brooks Kepka is the ultimate competitor. Now, there are a few other Live golfers that are, but Brooks lives and dies for majors. Right. He said that. Yeah, you know, and there are a few other guys on tour that care about winning. I'm not saying everybody on the live tour, but there are guys on tour like the Bubba Watsons and, and, and the, the, the Kevin Nas and guys that have been given. And, and you know what? I'm even going to go Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't think Dustin Johnson truly cares about winning majors anymore. I really don't. He is nowhere near the number one player in the world anymore. Phil Mickelson. I don't uh, listen. He had a good well, masters. Phil, Phil's 52 years old. I understand. Yeah. He had a good masters, yeah. but you give these guys boatloads of money. I think 95% of them, their careers as far as top 10s or top 20s are going to go. Brooks Kepka is an anomaly. All he cares about is winning majors. And clearly he still cares about winning majors. So he's going to keep his game in tip-top form and prepare himself for the majors. 
I would argue that most of the guys now that are on the Live Tour do not have that same competitive spirit that a Brooks Koepka has. And again, there are a few other guys that I would say do care about winning majors. Brooks Koepka is one of them. Uh, I will also say real quickly, Chris, that I don't know if you heard about this story, this guy who's a uh, a PGA pro at a golf course. Absolutely. No, yeah. I've heard the story. Yeah. It's, a, is, it's a massive part of the a, PGA championship this week. This yeah. is, it was it's a, a huge great, story. Yeah. Great story in a way, in yeah. some ways, overshadows Brooks Kepka, which shouldn't be overshadowed. But this guy got 15th. Yep. He had a hole-in-one playing with Rory McIlroy on Sunday. And now he's just been giving a sponsor's exemption. And he So there's a video circulating online where he gets emotional, where the tournament director at the Charles Schwab calls him and says, are you going to tell me what I think you're going to tell me? And he's like, yep, you've just got the last sponsor's exemption into this Charles Schwab event and he starts crying and he's like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Um, it's just a really, a, a real feel good story. That's what I love about the PGA championship and the U S open where amateurs get to play in the U S open. Anybody can qualify. And that's, what's really cool about the PGA tour. And that's why I'll always be a PGA tour guy. I'm never going to be a live guy because there's no cuts. They don't do these things on the live tour. Uh, that was a very special moment and a moment that would have never happened on the live tour. And I'm really happy for him. He seems like a really good stand-up guy. He hugs his wife at, on the 18th. Crowd was just going crazy because it's like it, it, it's a feel-good story of a guy that never was a PGA Tour player, no. always had a dream of being on the PGA Tour. Clearly, he's got the game. I mean, the way he played was three seventies and a 71 in a major. I mean, the guy obviously can play. Uh, so who knows? Maybe this would be even a better story if maybe he gets his PGA Tour card somehow. Uh, the way he played in the major, uh, I don't. I'll be interested to see how he plays this week. But anyway, this was a cool story. Well, yeah, and and look, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into this. Michael Block, of course, is who we're talking about. Right. Uh, you, hey, the guy had a hole in one yeah. in a major playing with Rory McIlroy. First yeah. of all, on Saturday when he found out that he was going to be playing with Rory McIlroy, he was yeah. all excited and, and rightfully so, right? You're playing with uh, again another yep. another big time player. Sure. But this also is is a championship for the for every man, right? Yep. For lack of a better phrasing of it, right? Obviously he didn't win. He finished 15th, right? It's and uh, good. it's kind of interesting too because because there's there's some media members, I'll say that, Brian that we're kind of poo-pooing this. Uh, uh, Craig Carton uh, is is the name I'll throw out there. When you're talking, like, oh, yeah, I th- why are we making such a big deal about this? He finished 15th. Come on, man. We're talking about somebody who is a PGA pro, not a PGA tour pro, a PGA golf pro that was able to compete on the highest level right. with the greatest players in the world and finished 15th and did it over a period of four days, right? This wasn't one one round where the guy was decent. The guy went out there and competed in a major and then finished 15th in the major. It was, it's, an out, it's an outstanding story. And then on top of it, the guy goes out there and gets an ace in, in the final round. You can't make this stuff up. So yeah. a lot, of, a lot, but a lot of the uh, discussion surrounding this, yeah, it wasn't about Brooks Koepka, right? It was about Michael Block, the, the PGA pro and not tour pro who is now, yeah, and you, and you, you pointed out all the details. Uh, I don't know exactly what the uh, what the breakdown was. I think if, if he would have finished top three, I believe he would have been uh, gotten. He would have gotten into the Masters, uh, and he would have had a uh, he would have had a temporary PGA Tour card, I believe, for the rest of the season here in 2023, something along those lines. He finished top ten. He he got, but he's now because he finished fifteenth, he's going to get a lot of this stuff anyway. You brought up the, the sponsors exemption that is kind of to me the sponsors exemption is what it's kind of like uh, it's a way for. The PGA Tour can to do whatever they want when it comes to players, right? If you have a player that has got focus on him, you, you can give him an opportunity to play. But uh, there was a lot of focus too, right, Brian, on the coverage of Michael Block yesterday yeah. and the PGA Tour, and and specifically, I believe CBS was covering yeah. the uh, the the uh, the weekend 
over the weekend of the PGA Championship was getting a lot of flack on social media because they weren't showing Michael Block enough, right? They showed him tee off, I believe, on one. I think they showed a couple of shots throughout his round. And then once he had that hole in one, they had to show him, right? Because you got to throw a guy's a hole in one and he's a PGA. Yeah. He's, he's just well, a PGA. Well, it's a feel good. It's a, so it was it's a kind a of a feel story. And yeah. yeah, it was, it absolutely, yeah. I don't know if it overshadowed Brooks Kepka, but it certainly yeah. injected another angle yeah. and narrative to look at. When you're talking about a major championship, well, I'll say this: when you become uh, when you're second uh, in the Masters, and Brooks Kepka said that he uh, he choked. I love his honesty, and then he ends up winning the PGA Championship. Uh, I know that John Ron John Rom, who by the way had a horrible PGA Championship, he did not play well, is technically the number one player in the world. Brooks Kepka is the number one player in the world. When you come in second in the last major at Augusta National, and then you win the PGA, you're the best player in the world right now. Brooks Kepka, if he remains healthy, he's going to win a lot a lot more majors. I wish he was still on the PGA Tour, but uh, is what it is. So congratulations to Brooks Kepka, although I think he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, you have to tip off your cap to him and everything that he had to go through with his injuries. Coming back and winning a major, even if he never wins another one, which I think he will win more, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great story. Let's talk a little NBA basketball before we take a break yep. and then we're going to get into VGK hockey next segment. But, um, but Chris, uh, I want to, First, talk about my Boston Celtics. I say my because I broke. They are. They're your, they're your I, team. I, I, let's let's be straight up about it, yeah, right? They're up, they're Brian Shapiro's boyhood uh, and now adulthood team. I've always had a uh, a criticism of of Tatum. Uh, you know, he had a great game seven. In Philadelphia he scored fifty two. But I've always said in the biggest of situations, and obviously I was wrong in the Philadelphia series. He came up huge in game seven, but in the biggest of situations, he doesn't come up big. Uh, he choked in the NBA Finals. Uh, you can look at his stats and see how many points he's averaging and say, Brian, what are you talking about? In the biggest of moments in the fourth quarter, he seems to disappear. Um, he's not the only reason why the Boston Celtics are down 3-0. Jalen Brown has been awful. Right. Uh, part of it is he knows he's probably not going to be a Celtic next year. That could be a part of it. I don't know. I can't get inside mm-hmm. his head. Um, but, uh, there, there are a lot of guys on the Celtics. Uh, Al Horford's been absolutely terrible. I don't know why, uh, they didn't put Williams in there uh, for and play him more minutes. He's been more effective. I think the coaching has been awful. Uh, I think this guy has been totally outcoached by Spolstra, who is a much better coach. He's a veteran. He's been there before. Uh, and the Celtics have signed this guy to a large deal. So I don't think they're going to fire him. I think he deserves to be fired. But financially, they're probably not going to do it. I don't think he's a very good head coach. I think the reason why they won the regular season in the Eastern Conference is because they just have a lot of talent. I don't think it has anything to do with coaching. Horford's been bad. Jalen Brown's probably not going to be returning. They're not winning this series, obviously. They're down 3-0. Do they save face and do they win a game on the road? I guess that's possible tomorrow. But uh, very disappointed in the Boston Celtics and the way they played in this series as the number one seed. Inexcusable to lose two at home. You split one and one, you say, okay, let's get one in Miami. But to lose two games at home and the way they lost yesterday, they, they were never in that game from start to finish. On the flip side of things, Adebayo has been phenomenal. He's a guy, he doesn't need to score 30 or even 20. He is a force to be reckoned with on the defensive end of the floor. He's a rebounder. He's smart. He doesn't take bad shots. He's completely outplayed Horford and Williams underneath the basket. But the number one guy is Jimmy Butler. He is the ultimate professional at 33, not in his prime anymore. He is a stud. Find me somebody that is playing at a higher level than he's playing at. Maybe Jokic uh, and maybe Murray. But I put Jimmy Butler in that discussion. Jimmy Butler has been unbelievable in the playoffs, and he has been unbelievable in this series. He is doing everything for them. Uh, and their role players are making shots. You know, Kyle Lowry is not the player he once was, but he's still playing at a high level. Uh, and you got guys that are making shots, man. And they are really locked in defensively. The Miami Heat 
are right now are playing better defense than, than the four teams that are left right now, I would argue. I mean, Denver's playing really well in the defensive end too, but boy, uh, so this series is over. I think we all agree on that. Uh, your thoughts on this series as a whole? Yeah, I think there's a couple of points we can make here that are valid. First of all, when I watch this series, I am com- made completely aware that there is a difference between regular season basketball in the NBA and playoff basketball. Make no mistake about it. Number two thing that I think of when I watch this series, and by the way, it, all, it is also true for the series that we're also going to talk about that's going on in Los Angeles and Denver, and that is that the NBA, when it comes to playoff time, is so much about matchups on the court. Now, you discussed and talked about the two coaches here. It is absolutely a coaching mismatch, all right? When you're talking about Eric Spolster, you're talking about a guy who, you know, initially in his career, he was thought of as Pat Riley's guy down there. Yeah, you kind of picked him out of the chorus as far as, video as far as getting an opportunity. He's a video coordinator, you know. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's tape of him, you know, with his lined up VCRs in the video room back, you know, in his early days of the Miami Heat. And now he is, but that's not what he is now. Eric Spolster now is a championship coach. The guy is going to probably be a Hall of Famer with respect to coaching basketball. The guy has multiple championships, uh, multiple conference championships, over 700 wins, I believe, and, and, and less than 400 losses, which is kind of astounding. The guy is a credible coach. And Joe Mazzula, all due respect to him, I think is not somebody who's even close to being on that par. And look, to Joe Mazzula's credit, he did talk about it and say, look, I didn't have the guys ready to play, which I can understand why he would have that approach and why I would say that, Brian. I'm not going to put this all on him, though. I think this is absolutely about guys not stepping up in big, in big points in this series. And I'm talking about, yes, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford and others on this Boston Celtic team. So I'm surprised by the outcome, quite frankly, when it comes to the series in the East, not surprised in the West, yeah. but I am surprised in the East that the Boston Celtics are getting manhandled like this from the Miami Heat. But I'll end it with it. I'll end my take on this and I'll bounce this off you. To me, this is more about how good the Miami Heat have been and how impressed I am with not only Jimmy Butler as a leader and as a big-time player, but as the supporting cast, even without Tyler Hero, that the Miami Heat have been able to play this well and dismantle the Boston Celtics the way they have. I'm more impressed by how well Miami's playing as opposed to the Boston Celtics choking in the series, for lack of a better term, right? So to me, I think it's more about Miami and the positive things they're doing as opposed to Boston and uh, kind of bowing out in this series. Yeah, uh, it's it's disappointing, and I think the Celtics are going to go on a downward spiral in the future, losing Jalen Brown unless they may. Al Horford's not getting any younger, and uh, inexcusable. And I really think that Tatum is still extremely young. He's got a long career ahead of him, but this does not help his legacy thus far. I actually thought after what happened in the NBA Finals, I picked Boston to win it all, but um, obviously I was clearly wrong. All right, let's move to, to the Well, let me make a quick point before we move on. That as far as Jalen, uh, uh, Jason Tatum's concerned, he is an emerging superstar in this league. He's going to be one of the faces of the league. John Morant, you know, I th- I th- I want to believe that he's going to be one of those guys too. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Luka Doncic, obviously Jokic, others, and and Giannis are on that that par too. But uh, make no mistake about it, Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum, despite the fact that uh, that they're probably they're going to lose this series and it's going to be a disappointing season in 2022-23. Jason Tatum is going to be one of the faces of the NBA. He's going to be a superstar. 
and he, I, he's already well, he, a lot of people think he's already there. Well, Chris, he already and, is. So a, Chris, that's 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 what I would Chris, say about he already, him. He already is a superstar. Yes. I'm not sitting here and saying he's not a superstar, right. but there is a difference between. I just a, want to make that point. There is a difference between a superstar and then a superstar who wins championships. And I don't think Tatum is that guy yet. Um, and well, the, he's not that and, guy and yet because the they haven't. Why, and won the, a but, I, but yeah. right, but I don't think he will be that guy. Until he proves to me that in the biggest of situations, whether it be a game seven of the NBA finals or whether it be must win games at home against the Miami Heat and make no mistake about it. When you lose game one, game two, for the most part, is a must win. And he wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. I get it. Game seven at home against Philadelphia. He came up huge. But James Harden was also terrible. Joel Embiid was terrible. Doc Rivers got fired. I'm talking about a game seven where you're on the road. I'm, or I'm talking about a Steph Curry type, and it's maybe a little unfair to try to compare him to Steph Curry, but but Tatum has not proven to me yet that in the biggest of situations in must-win games, besides the game seven in Phil, you know in Boston right. against Philadelphia, he's not that guy yet. Could he be that guy? Absolutely. I'm just saying he's not ready yet. He's not there. Let's move on to the Lakers now. Uh, unfortunately, I'm gonna uh, I made a small wager. Some people would uh, say we're not gonna talk about the Lakers, Brian Shapiro. Let's talk about the Nuggets, right? Well, let's talk about both. When you uh, talk about this series at your home, I'm probably <laughs> gonna be watching my money dwindle away, Chris. Watching the game, I guess, at your house today when the Lakers uh, play the Denver Nuggets. Right. Um. All right. So here's my quick. We'll do the same thing we did last. I'll give my thoughts, and I want to hear your thoughts. Um. LeBron James is 38 years old. He's not in his prime. Mm -hmm. However, if you're going to say LeBron James is the best player of all time, he's still in tip-top shape. He's been terrible. He's been settling for jump shot after jump shot after jump shot. It appears to me he can take the ball to the basket when he pleases to. He has not done so. And when he's been settling, it's one thing if the ball's going in. Then you want your guy to keep shooting because he's hot. It seems like when LeBron misses his first six or seven threes, he has no problem continuing to chuck threes. Big problems with the way LeBron has played in this series. Anthony Davis has been destroyed on the glass. The Lakers have been destroyed on the glass. They have been trotting back on defense. Yes, you're playing against a really good Denver Nuggets team that is going to, you know, they are the favorite now to win it all, of course, and the MVP, which is Jokic. Let's not forget that Murray is averaging like 25 or 26 points in this series. He has also been nothing short of phenomenal. The defensive intensity, if the Lakers were going to win this series or even compete in this series, they had to match the intensity. That has nothing to do with talent. They had to match the intensity. They were gassed. They were tired in Denver. Uh, they have not been able to get multiple stops in this entire series. And I'm very disappointed in the way they've played the physicality of Denver. Has they been, uh, Jokic has been able to do whatever he wants. Listen, he's a physical specimen. He's going to be able to do whatever he wants, but he's also a great passer and facilitator with other guys on this team. They have not contested shots. They have not done a good job on the glass. They have not won the 50, 50, uh, battle for the basketballs. Uh, and, you know, in my personal opinion, again, it's not Darvin Ham's fault. I think he's done everything he can in, in trying to make adjustments. It's the Lakers' intensity. Uh, Anthony Davis said after game one, it's my job to make adjustments. That's why they pay me the big bucks. He's gotten worse since the series has gone on. The best game the Lakers played, or I should say their best chance of winning a basketball game was in game one. They had no chance of winning game two. They definitely had no chance of winning, uh, you know, the other day. And... I know that if you compare LeBron to Michael Jordan and say, Brian, look at Michael Jordan's stats when he was 38. Michael Jordan took time away from the game. His stats were terrible. He was shooting like 18% from three when he came back. I understand that. But if you're going to talk about LeBron being a top five player, or even some would say, Marcus Banks would say, best player of all time. He's been disgusting in this series. He's been terrible. 
And, and the thing that's been frustrating to me, even at the age of 38, he's capable of taking the ball to the basket and being physical. He's chosen not to. He's chosen to settle for jump shots and bad jump shots, flat jump shots. Um, this is a bad series for LeBron. Now, here's the difference between, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron at 38. Nobody expected the Washington Wizards to win an NBA championship with Kwame Brown. There were no expectations when Jordan came back to the league. We all said, well, Jordan's the best of all time, but nobody's expecting this team to win. There were a lot of expectations for this Laker team. There were a lot of expectations with LeBron and Davis coming back. There were a lot of expectations three months ago when they made some great picking up Hachimura was a huge pickup for them. LeBron James had expectations going into this year, even at the age of 38. Michael Jordan had no expectations. So can we stop it with the comparisons between Michael Jordan at 38 and LeBron? This Laker team, many had expectations of this team maybe competing for a championship. That's the difference between LeBron this year at 38 and when Michael Jordan was 38. So those are my thoughts on the series. Could the Lakers steal one today on the road? I would say it's possible, but it's probably, uh, or I should say at home. I apologize. Right. I would say it's possible. I, I'm not so sure I would go that the lengths because the series is over. But anyway, those are my thoughts on the series as a whole and who I hold accountable. What do you say? So a couple of things. First of all, big time players. This is my, my fortune cookie logic right here, right? Fortune cookie. Big time players play in big time moments and big time games. Mm -hmm. And in those first two games in Denver for the Los Angeles Lakers, you talked about it and you're correct. Their best chance was to win was in game one. By the way, you said game two, they didn't have a chance. They were absolutely in the game, well, late in the game, until, until, until Brian Shapiro, LeBron James starts making huge mistakes, right? Turnovers. Missing wide open layups when you're underneath the basket. Yeah. Bad turnovers at bad times that cost your team an opportunity to win. But I digress. Look, it's LeBron James is 38 years old and he is an instrumental part of this Los Angeles Lakers team. But a lot of these guys on that team, that are expected to contribute have also had bad series and haven't played well in this series. And it was hilarious, kind of, after game two, when the Denver Nuggets went up 2-0, the kind of narrative that was out there in the media and in social media, Brian, regarding the Lakers, because there was this assumption out there, and maybe you maybe you believe this or not. I don't know, you can speak for yourself. There was this assumption, oh yeah. The Lakers were able to figure some things out there in Denver, even though they lost both those games. They were in the games. They had a chance to win. But there is some magical elixir that the Lakers had that we're aware of. And now going back to Los Angeles, it's it's it, there's a lot of people talking like it was some foregone conclusion that the Los Angeles Lakers were going to come back to Denver and it was going to be 2-2 going back to Ball Arena up in Colorado. And I'm like, Really? Because I just talked about this in the Celtics series. The NBA playoffs is about matchups, right? It's about your players against sure. their players. Yep. And, and, and how do these teams match up? The flat out fact happens to be, folks, Denver Nuggets are just a better basketball team than the Los Angeles Lakers. You talk about the coaches, Brendan, in, in Denver. You can talk about, obviously, you know, uh, the situation in Los Angeles, but it, the Denver Nuggets have just imposed their will on the Lakers in this series. They have no fear whatsoever. It's a team that plays hard and that believes that they can counter anything that you throw at them, whether you're the Lakers or any other team that they yeah. play in the West. You think they win and yet, I, I, I think they do because I we've kind of seen the blueprint of this series in the first three games. Yeah. We've seen that the Denver Nuggets are able to kind of 
weather the storm, for lack of a better term. Can I ask you another about question? About everything Los Angeles throws at them. So I think that the think, Lakers absolutely who, who are in trouble. The, who should win the MVP uh, uh, in the Western Conference? Uh, should it be uh, Jokic or should it be Murray? Because Murray is actually averaging more points than Jokic in this series. But yet Jokic has the rebounds you know, and the assists. Do you think it should be Murray or Jokic? I don't think there's any question that Jamal Murray is the MVP of this really? team right now. No question about it. Because he's injected an unbelievable standard from an offensive standpoint well, I got that, that they didn't really necessarily have during the regular season. You, you gave the numbers. You gave the numbers yeah. of what the guy's averaging right. in the playoffs. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist, right, Shapiro? It yeah. doesn't take some genius who watched the first three games of the series a reason to, why I to see how, how I think, impactful Jamal Murray has been think, for this team. I think Chris Wynn should take a little money out of his fanny pack. I don't know yes. if he owns a fanny pack. I've never seen him with one, by the way, for the record. Uh, Jokic is minus 260, pack, right? and Murray is like even money. So I think you should take a little bit of money out of your pocketbook, so to speak. Uh, That's some good advice right there. Sha- not- Shap, you might have to take that advice for yourself, man. man <laughs> I might. Don't, don't pass that on to me. I might. Get, just keep that for yourself. No, I listen, but there's no I question. No question, Brian. Yeah. That uh, Look, look. Jokic is is uh, multiple, you know, back-to-back MVP. No yeah. question. Yeah. But uh, but this is, a, this is a Denver team. We talk about it when it comes to the Florida Panthers in the NHL and maybe yeah. even the Vegas Golden Knights. Teams of destiny, right, Brian? Yeah. Maybe the Nuggets are that team. I think the, the Lakers NBA. win tonight. I disagree with you. I think they're, I think they're going to steal one. We'll see. Yeah, well, we will yeah. see. I'll be at the C win residence and I'll be looking at all. Or we, these. Might be, we might be at a watering hole or something. Uh, it's you know? possible. Yeah, that's very possible. Bounce around. Uh, or I'll see a lot of middle aged men with their shirts off at the pool. Uh, that's also very possible. Me being one of them, by the way. All right, so we'll take a quick break and when we come back, a lot more to get to with Chris Wind. Uh, we're going to be talking a little VGK hockey. Big win yesterday. Big come from behind win. Uh, OJ Simpson putting out a video on Twitter. Hello, Twitter world. Yours truly. We're going to break that down as well. Uh, talk a little hockey when we come back. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? And you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. 
Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentlemen's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines, beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries, you name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. At the Bagel Cafe, the recipe is simple. Good food and generous portions. Family-owned and operated since 1996, the Bagel Cafe is a unique restaurant where you can get anything your appetite desires. From a bagel and a schmear to piled high corned beef on homemade rye, fresh fruit platters and salads, or creamy New York cheesecake. Check them out at thebagelcafelv.com. The Bagel Cafe, where there's something delicious for everyone. Welcome back. It's Pushing the Limits on a Monday. I want to tell you guys about my favorite gaming bar in town, Jackson's Bar and Grill. We might even be there tonight to watch the game. Uh, located, of course, at Flamingo and Jones. Great. Uh, they have some great promotions this month of May. They always have great promotions. If uh, On Friday, if you earn 200 points, you get to spin the wheel. Went up to three, three grand. And then uh, another 300 points, you get to spin the wheel again. And on Fridays, or I should say on Wednesdays, another phenomenal promotion they have they have plenty of them by the way and by the way that promotion i just gave out was wednesday because i'm an idiot uh flip-flop it friday is actually uh wednesday's the wheel day friday is the day where if you earn 1500 points the following day you get 100 hours in free slot play wednesday's the wheel day uh great food great atmosphere i probably had the best chicken alfredo i've ever had in my life over there great food great atmosphere jackson's barn grill please check them out and tell them that i sent you we got chris Wynn in studio uh, we heading out to the Vegas Golden Knights game yesterday, covering the game, and uh, really good hockey game, very physical hockey game. And I got to tell you, the first 50 minutes of that game was totally dominated by Dallas. Now you say to yourself, "Well, wait, Brian, 
They were only up one goal. Yeah, but if you look at the shots on goal, they were, for the most of the game, they doubled the shots that the Knights had. Uh, they limited uh, shots on goal for the Knights, and that was defensively. The Dallas Stars were very, very good defensively. I don't think it was necessarily anything the Knights weren't doing well. It was more of the fact that Dallas was dominating the physicality of the game. So they're up 2-1, and then all of a sudden, with 10 minutes to go, as the Knights usually do when they're in desperation mode, they outplayed uh, the Dallas Stars the final 10 minutes of that hockey game, and with two and a half minutes to go, uh, a bad turnover by the Dallas Stars in their own end behind the net. Really bad turnover. And then, uh, you know, Marcia Show gets, uh, gets the puck right on the doorstep, right in the crease there and, and, uh, doesn't miss. Ties up the game. They have all the momentum. And then, uh, uh, Chandler Stevenson scores, uh, the goal in overtime. And, and Stevenson was the guy who was very undisciplined yesterday. Took a couple bad penalties, made a couple key mistakes. One cross check penalty that was just, you can't make that mistake. And then he comes in with the, uh, overtime game winner you know speaking of Pete DeBoer Pete DeBoer his teams usually choke in the biggest of moments I'm sorry he's a good coach but his teams choke and uh here's a little bit about what Pete DeBoer had to say um after the game when he was asked uh maybe it was a member of the media I don't know I guess somebody asked him why do his teams consistently choke in the playoffs here was his response yeah I don't know you know um I don't know yeah I, I don't I don't know why well, I don't I don't know uh I don't know well, that's unfortunate because coaches need to have answers to those questions. Maybe we'll ask him again after uh, after game three. But uh, yeah, a big win for the Vegas Golden Knights. Choke job for the Dallas Stars. Completely changes the complexion of the series. Instead of going into Dallas with the with the with the series tied one one, anything could happen, and Dallas would be feeling very good about themselves. Now they're in a must-win game. Let's call it for what it is. You're not going to come back uh, 3-0 against the Knights. They have to win game three, Chris. Yeah, Brian, as you mentioned, of course, this is a Vegas Golden Knights team. Adjectives that were used during the game yesterday for the, for a large portion of that game, lethargic, uh, lackluster, right, as far as Vegas's play throughout most of that game. And you talked about the Dallas Stars. Look, the Stars were able to uh, to get to their game, right? They're a defensive hockey club. They're a team that, that kind of leans on that. Ottinger is a top-notch goaltender. And they, they're one of these teams that can win these three to two, you know, four to three type of games. And for the large, as you pointed out, for a large part of that hockey game yesterday, the Dallas Stars were doing what they wanted to do. And then what happened? Well, in the, you know, they, Vegas Golden Knights were able to get that goal early from Mark Stone, but there really wasn't much offense to speak of whatsoever when it came to the VGK. And then it starts getting down to the wire, Brian. In the third period, and you got a lot of people that are nervous there at T-Mobile Arena in the Fortress sweating things out on Vegas, Vegas Knights fans because it absolutely would have changed the whole tra- uh, projection of the uh, trajectory of the series if the Dallas Stars were able to get that win and even things up going back to Dallas, essentially taking the home ice advantage back. What ends up happening? Jack Eichel, a guy that in the playoffs has been having a lot of fun. He hasn't been necessarily that offensive juggernaut that maybe – Vegas Golden Knight fans want out of him, but he has made some key plays in the playoffs and has had some scoring runs as well, too. But but he makes a huge play behind the net, gets the puck out to Marcia So, who, who buries it past Ottinger there to tie the hockey game. And you felt it in the arena, right, Brian? You felt it sure. not from, from the fans, but you you also you look down at that bench, Bruce Cassidy and company, and you said, you know what, this is gonna this is going to give them a, a boost that they need. And a lot of the players after the game, as well as Bruce Cassidy, the coach. Talked about that being a just a monster play that that did give him a nice kick in the backside 
as they were able to tie that hockey game up, despite the fact they didn't have a great night from an offensive standpoint. No, they didn't. And then, of course, no. you get to overtime, mm-hmm. and what happens is very similar to what happened in Game One, where you it, it wasn't you know it wasn't Jonathan Marchessault or Riley Smith or or Jack Eichel. It was like another guy, not necessarily a superstar. It was, of course, Brett Howden in Game One, and then, of course, it's Stevenson in Game Two, where you, first of all, you get a huge save from Aiden Hill early on in the overtime to 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 stone the the uh, for lack, you know, no pun intended towards Mark as far as stoning the Dallas Stars. Yeah. That that uh, Stars could have won the game there, well, and then, of not, course, Vegas goes down right just seconds later. Over, Vegas goes down right. and gets, of course, the uh, the uh, the play where and, you get you get Mark Stone. Setting up Shea Theodore for the shot, yep. and then of course the, the Ottinger allows a big juicy rebound to come out to Stevenson, who ends the game into yep. an empty net. Basically, it's going to be one of the easiest goals Stevenson's ever yeah. going to score. And let's not overlook, uh, you know, Aiden Hill's been nothing short of phenomenal. He's been fantastic. A guy that's never won a he's been uh, solid. Yes, he's never won an uh, NHL playoff game. His his uh, confidence has to be sky high right now. He was good yesterday. Probably not the reason why they won, but he was good. And, uh, you know, Aiden Hill now, of course, he's, he's, he's the starter now. He's, he's the guy and he's been very, very good in, in, in what the Knights have had. And they are now the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. I can't believe it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, Brian, let's talk about that because it is kind of rather astounding that the Vegas Golden Knights are in the position they are. And, and, and we had this feel good approach to this Golden Knights team as far as they have a possibility of capturing the ultimate prize given their goaltending situation, right? Five goaltenders throughout the regular season that started in a net, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. Now, in the playoffs, it was supposed to be Laurent Broussois. Broussois was supposed to be the guy. Right. Right? And he gets hurt, and so Aiden Hill has to come in. You talked about him being phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Aiden Hill's been phenomenal, but he's been really good. He's been really good, and he hasn't been the guy that you can pin losses on, right? He's not. He hasn't been the guy that's been horrible. I talked about it yesterday before the game with some of the, with some of the other members of the media. I said... We haven't seen one of those, you know, Aiden Hill games where he gives up five, six goals and you can just absolutely lambaste him, right? That hasn't happened so far, you know, in the playoffs. Now, look, I get it. He, he, he replaced Laurent Brisbane. Aiden Hill was not expected to be the guy. So the fact that the Golden Knights are in the position they are where right now you can look at the four teams left standing. You, you can make an absolute case that they, they're, they're probably the team right now. They weren't going into. The conference finals, and as, as far as being the favorite going into it, but right now, after seeing how they played here in these first two games, and uh, and given the again the matchup that we're seeing with Dallas and Vegas, uh, I think a lot of people are starting to turn the tide and think that Vegas is should probably be the favorite well, to win the Stanley Cup. Well, they are, which is astounding, um, given the are. fact. That you have a situation yeah. that you had with the goaltending well, injuries and injuries with other, with other key players. It as also well, too. helps that uh, the top two teams in the league were outed in the first round in the Colorado Avalanche and the Boston right. Bruins. But if you look at the odds right now, Florida Panthers are up two games to nil mm-hmm. uh, against Carolina. Really, two really excruciating tough losses for Hurricane fans, both in overtime, one in quadruple overtime, and then another one the other night in overtime. So tonight the game is a pick 'em. Uh, you want to talk about desperation for the Hurricanes? You got to win Game Three. Same thing you're going to see probably in Dallas. Uh, I expect a, a good game uh, for the Dallas Stars. Um, I'm going to, you know, I've been wrong in the NHL playoffs almost every game, so I'm sure I'll be wrong again. But I think that Carolina Hurricanes somehow find a way to win game three. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But right now, if you look at the odds, uh, the Golden Knights are plus 125 to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Panthers are right behind them at plus 150. And then, of course, you have the Dallas Stars. 
and uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Of the four teams that were left before these two series started, the Hurricanes were favored to win they it were. all. They were, yeah. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I expect uh, Carolina to play their best game. I expect Dallas to play their best game. But again, these NHL playoffs have been so lo- weird. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I do want to have a little fun, Chris, before we... Uh, and by the way, I, let's give credit to, to Cassidy as well. I didn't even mention him and Sean Burke and the entire coaching staff of the Vegas Golden Knights. They've done a phenomenal job. For them to be in the situation that they're in right now with all the injuries, and let's not forget about Stone, and he was out for a while too, and the trades, losing Pacioretty and all these other guys early in the year, uh, and, and the 18 different goalies they've had, having Logan Thompson, their guy, and then Bruce Waz, your guy, and then Aiden Hills, your guy, and then we have... <laughs> and then we have. I mean, guy, let's be honest, right, Brian? We did not expect... The Vegas Golden Knights to be in the position they're in right now where they are six games away from capturing their first ever Stanley Cup. That that, that is a surprise, not only to us as as members of the media who cover the team, not only, I'm sure all you fans out there that are Vegas fans are probably a little surprised as you should be, given what you just, you just talked about all the, a lot of the details. This was not a team. Look, when going into the Western Conference playoffs, people were talking about the Colorado Avalanche and talking about the Edmonton Oilers coming out of the West. All right. Yeah. It was Vegas was kind of a distant third. You know, you could even make the case that there's other teams that, that were in the playoffs still at the time, yeah. Winnipeg Jets and others that you could have put over Vegas. They were not expected to be where they are. And right well, now they are six games, six games away. And you do have to give credit to Bruce, to Bruce Cassidy and to, yeah. and to quite frankly, you got to give credit to the players. The players have yeah, been no to me, uh, have, have overachieved. As far as expectations of what we thought they would do. Chemistry and camaraderie off the ice as well as on the ice. And maybe Cassidy finally gets over the hump. You've always, you've known all along that he's a really good hockey coach, but with Boston, he was never able to get over the hump and win a Stanley Cup, which is very difficult to do. And not a lot of coaches, maybe this is his time. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. So what was OJ Simpson doing on a Sunday afternoon? Well, Chris, I'll tell you because he put it out on video in the background on Twitter. OJ has a video of. Uh, by the way, I think he called him Bruce Kepka. He doesn't know his name. He absolutely did. Yeah. So anyway, and he was listen, getting he, he was getting mocked a little. We'll bit have a little bit of uh, commentary as the video plays. We'll keep <laughs> our mics on so we can maybe enjoy this a little bit. But this was OJ on a Sunday afternoon, kicking back a glass of wine and a cigar. Uh, didn't see any knives around. Uh, and this is OJ uh, talking a little bit about uh, you know what was on his mind on a Sunday afternoon. Have a listen. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Well, I was sitting here switching from the PGA. Uh, you know, uh, Bruce Kepka is, Bruce. is leading right now, yeah. and uh, he was my favorite player. You know, after Maybe Tiger got hurt right. and kind of Wait, fell is off. Kepka, and, Kepka's his uh, favorite I used to always bet him. Uh, once he went to live, that kind of fell off. But this week, I did put some shuckles on him, so hopefully he can, uh, you know, pull uh, Victor Hovland off and uh, win this tournament. Uh, but I've been switching back and forth between that and on NBC, they got the uh, track and field. It's one of these international track and field things. <laughs> and I watched the uh, four by 100 relay and I said to myself, man, I said, look, uh, my USC team, we'd have been second here. We broke the world record when I was uh, uh, in college. We, uh, we were uh, three sophomores and a junior, Earl McCullough. Uh, was the junior like, you, you went on the uh, rookie sorry. of the year in the NFL? Who was watching track and field yesterday? No, of all the things this weekend <laughs> that you could have, you know, put your eyeballs on when it came to sports. And by the way, OJ Simpson's a Vegas local now. He's been a Vegas local for a long time. Why wouldn't you be watching the Vegas Golden Knights 
in the NHL playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much big a hockey fan OJ is, but yeah, yeah you're watching track and field that nobody was talking about. By the way, I want to talk. I want to talk about my weird. favorite. It's weird, Brian. I want to talk about my favorite hockey player of all uh, that's playing in the league right now. Of course, I'm talking about <laughs> Jonathan McDavid. Like, <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing? You're saying your favorite golfer, and is, you don't even know his name. Who's Bruce? Bruce who's Bruce Kepka? Yeah. Never heard of that guy. I've I've heard of. Uh, the real Kepka, the guy that actually, uh, Brooksy, the guy that actually won yesterday. Who's, who's Bruce Kepka? Anyway, I don't the even... junior went on to be a uh, rookie of the year in the NFL for the, uh, uh, Lions. My team mentioned Fred Culler and Lennox Miller bing, and I bing, bing. the other three. Uh, but I'm watching that race and I said, look at the times when it was over. We would have been second and we did it. 55 years ago. Oh, Brian, he's taking some time to gloss himself right there. There's always a, a OJ glossing thought, himself, right? I thought, you, giving I himself th- props. I thought he yeah. did it like three decades ago. I thought that's when he did it. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Murder. But back while I was watching going back from the golf to there, I kind of glanced down my hall and I saw a picture that I should have uh, probably had it on yesterday when I did my tribute to Jim Brown. And it's a picture, uh, oh, many, many moons ago. I may have still been at USC when this picture was taken. And it's me and Jim Brown. I was presenting him with a birthday cake at a basketball game uh, that we were playing. Before I murdered and, my ex uh, Exactly. Um, I, I might have been his 35th, maybe his 40th birthday. I know I was in USC at the time, but... Uh, Jim Brown, they didn't get any better than him, did they? God bless him. So, Brian, that's a basically care. a double murderer, you know, reflection, a double murder, allegedly. You know a reflection you do, like, about a person who's passed away. It's, it's just kind of, uh, it's just so, uh, it's, I feel, I feel like I need to take a shower right now, Brian, after listening to that and watching. You know how again. they do like before Christ and after Christ BC? And yeah. They should do like before murder and after murder with OJ Simpson. They should do that with him. <laughs> it's just so um, brutal. Yeah. Uh, hello, Twitter world. Yours truly. I'm sitting here <laughs> kicking back, drinking my wine and, and smoking my cigar. And I thought, man, maybe I shouldn't have murdered my ex-wife. Like, I'm just waiting for him to do a video like that when he's drunk. And so, Brian, you know what's hilarious, too, is look at the comments always whenever OJ does a video. Right now, I'm chucking, Brian. <laughs> it's hilarious. Everybody's got, everybody's a comedian on the Las Vegas Strip, right? Pulling out the jokes about slicing and dicing and talking about whatever, whatever topic that OJ's talking about, they associate it with some type of you know, uh, stabbing situation or some type of murder situation. Have you heard OJ's of OJ's? It's, you, it's, it's rather comedy to kind of look at. Did you hear of OJ's new website? I have not. What is it? www.slash.backslash.escape. OJ, a Vegas uh, local. Well, my friend, we are going to be uh, watching a little Laker basketball today. Yes. I, uh, pick, pick, just go against me. Uh, but uh, I feel like C win these days. But. Uh, the Lakers, uh, I, I do think they, they save face and win one game in L.A., but I could be wrong. Uh, they're not winning the series, but uh, and I thought they would, by the way. I was very wrong Ho- on Hopefully this Jack Nicholson gets out of there without getting heckled by the Jokic brothers, right? I do think, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think the Lakers, uh, somebody needs to push Jokic on the sidelines. We need something to happen. We need a fight. We need something Just to get a little fight, get, get a little mix going. Get yeah, a little we, feisty. Somebody needs to happen. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, LeBron or, or somebody, I don't know. Anthony Davis needs to elbow into the ribs of Jokic or something. I don't know. They need to do something. I don't know. But uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Of course, uh, 
the Eastern Conference Finals of uh, the NHL as well, with the Hurricanes mm-hmm. on the road against the Florida Panthers. That's going to be Canes. Got to have it. Got to have to. Got to have it. Have to. So we're have to. Uh, Wait your former for, your former Hartford Whalers, Brian Shapiro. That's right. The Hurricanes on, on the brink. That's right. Big game tonight. Chris, thanks for stopping yeah. by as Absolutely. always on a Monday. And uh, we're going to go grab some lunch. But uh, thank you, uh, everyone uh, listening on the FM and AM dial. We'll see you at the same time, same place. Guy David is going to be my official co-host starting the first week of June. For those of you that are wondering, I'm flying solo until then. But I have special guests like Chris joining me, so I'm not so lonely. Uh, right. Yes. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place.